Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. I wonder if there are three more complicated and personal words than Christ is risen. Perhaps I love you might be just as complicated and just as personal, and perhaps those are the same thing. For every one of us here today, there is a different reaction to the angel's declaration to the two Marys in the garden. A rabbi professor of mine once told me that the Jewish way of studying Torah begins by listing every possible question you might have about a specific passage, a specific line, and I wonder just how many questions we would come up with if we were to ask about these three words, Christ is risen. Aside from the who, what, where, when, why, and how, our souls burst with the questions of what if on Easter Sunday. And it is so easy to paint a community like this with a broad brush to assume that we look around and we know why people are here. We're all here on Easter Sunday. We assume that means we all have the same questions. But we don't. Every single one of us brings a different what if. A different who, what, where, when, why, how to the Easter story. And if the wilderness of our Lenten journey together over the past 40 days has taught us anything, it is that we each bring to this practice of our faith an entirely different experience. For every one of us here, doubter, believer, griever, celebrator, there is a different journey and a different question. And if you came here for an answer this morning, I'm sorry, we do not do that here. (laughs) But what we do do, and what we do really well, is we hold those questions together, and we turn them over and over and over and over again until we find life. So let us pray in that Easter spirit. Risen Christ, living God, wild and Holy Spirit, tend to us this morning as we gather to hear the news of your miraculous triumph over the grave. Speak to us today words of resurrection for our own lives. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. You will notice that draped over the cross this morning is more than just our Easter white cloth. Over the past six weeks, we have invited people to bring in scraps of fabric, pieces of material that represent your life's fullness. 
a wilderness moment perhaps, and we received over 120 different pieces of fabric. What surprised us, however, was that despite the fact we didn't ask, people started sharing the stories of their fabric with us. Many of these scraps of fabric came with beautiful and rich and deep and painful and joyful and extraordinary stories of the wilderness. Stories that hold this phrase, he is risen in all its complex and messy Easter glory. One of these cards reads, this is a piece of a pillowcase upon which my beloved husband passed away three and a half years ago. I've slept with it beside me since then, so this means giving up some of my grief and some of my loss. Another piece reads, this is a letter from Thailand. This is part of a shirt I bought for my dad. I remembered when he saw it, he said I liked the pattern. He did not get to wear it because he wasn't feeling well. Instead, he liked to be under his thin blanket. And he passed away not long after I got this for him. I would like to give this piece to our community of faith so some part of his favorite shirt could be with other people's stories. Another scrap of paper sent on March 28th reads, made by Rob, a friend who died. In a room so full of life and death, he is risen are very personal words. And yet we arrive here to hold them together. I love that in this passage, the two Marys are in the garden together. In some of our gospel passages, we just read one name, one Mary, Mary Magdalene. But in Matthew's version of the story, there is a certain fullness of life in not arriving to the tomb alone. We go on to read in the story that when Mary and Mary left the tomb to tell the others what they had been told by the angel, they left with fear and great joy. The fullness of life. Not one existing without the other, but the darkness with the light. Fear and great joy together. When we walk through the wilderness together, we experience resurrection together as well. Not each in the same way, but the fullness of what it means to be a people who care for one another and who love one another deeply. A people who nurture the light in one another, especially when the darkness is brooding. I confess, that's the eternal Good Friday in me, that I have myself never really considered me to be a nurturer. Maybe I'm in the wrong line of work, I know. <laughs> but never have I witnessed this to be more true of myself than when I watched this past February the leaves of my beautiful Costco purchased fiddle leaf fig tree dry up and die 
because I decided to make a rash interior design choice and move him from his favorite location in the corner in front of the window to a cute spot in front of my baseboard heater, not near a window, where I then proceeded to forget to water him for a month. And one by one, these beautiful green and shiny leaves took on this dull and yellow color before wrinkling up, half disintegrating, and falling to the floor. Now, while I am not a self-professed nurturer, I do have someone in my life who is. I have a Max. And when I told Max I was now the proud owner of a potted stick, he said to me, bring him over. I'll see what I can do, as if he was going to miraculously be able to reattach the dead leaves like a doctor might sew on the tips of a chopped off finger. Now Max is a textbook plant dad. He's got one of those apps that tells him how and when to water his plants. They alert him if they're a little too thirsty. And in this app is this beautiful collection of thriving shrubs. We're going to scroll through. We have Badger and Balmo and Barbara and Billy and Cher and Green Vibes and Herbert. And we have Judo. We have Melon. We have Milo. We have Monica. We have this plant called Please Don't Die. And then we have, ladies and gentlemen, the stick. <laughs> when I tell you it was dead as a doornail, it was dead as a doornail. <laughs> but Max put it in a room with lots of light. He checks on it every day. He spritzes the stem from root to the top. I'm sure he talks to it, although he hasn't confessed that yet. He has a plant, life that he plant light that he turns on it when it's dark out, so the plant always knows that there is light. And would you believe when I told you that three days ago, this little leaf appeared out of the top? What I thought was dead had come to life, not from anything I did, not from anything I did, the opposite, but by the gentle nurturing and attention of someone around me. You know, there are four different gospel versions of the resurrection of Jesus. Everyone wants to tell the story. It's an important one. You heard one of them this morning from the gospel of Matthew. But in the Gospel of John, our resurrection story is remembered and told a little differently. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb alone before going to tell the other disciples that Jesus' body is not there. And when they return, two of the disciples go in to investigate the disappearance of the body while Mary stays outside. And as she stays outside, two angels appear to her, and they ask her why she's crying, and she says, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And John's account says that after she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know it was Jesus. She doesn't recognize him. And so Jesus asks her the same question. Woman, why are you weeping? And she answers him, thinking he was the gardener. 
Sir, if you have taken him, tell me where. And Jesus responds with her name, Mary. And she cries out in recognition. Theologians have for years argued whether this was an honest mistake. <laughs> I don't know why that's up there. <laughs> After all, there were guards and groundskeepers in the place where Jesus was laid, and he likely would not have been looking his best post-mortem. So that's one argument. They've also asked if this was one of John's creative choices, tying the resurrection to the garden of God's first creation, the garden of Eden. It seems fitting, God the creator as gardener, Adam as the failed gardener, God the son as the redeeming gardener. It's a plausible argument. And maybe still, it's more simple than that. Perhaps the God Mary was seeking was the God she found. Mary, who was nurtured out of one life and into a new one. Mary, who nurtured Jesus with resources and adoration. If God to her was a God who cared and loved and tended to and nursed back to life, it makes sense that she would see the resurrected Christ in the same way. The dead leaves will never come back on the stick. He will tower on with a tall stem to remind me of this wilderness season, but he is alive nonetheless. And I'm reminded of what theologian David Ewart says, Easter is not about bringing what was back to life again. It is about discovering that a whole new way of being alive is possible. So I ask you this Easter Sunday, is the resurrection you are looking for nurtured by a God of love beyond all knowing? Because how we know God is what we will all bear witness to. This is how we see the world. It's how we see one another. If your God is angry and vindictive and vengeful and punishing, resurrection will be a hard thing for you to find. Not because it isn't there, but because our frequency bias, that confirmation bias, our tendency to see what we know, what we want to see, overshadows everything. Mary sees Jesus resurrected in the form of a gardener, not in the form of a knight, or a king, or a ruler, or a magician. Haha, <laughs> I knew this was here for a reason. A magician or even a savior. She sees him as a gardener, brow beat by the sun, sweat pooled on his skin, knuckles scraped by the olive branches, knees caked in soil, hands blackened by the work of the earth. We are a people who have journeyed through the wilderness, every one of us, this place of desolation, and loneliness, and grief, and self-sacrifice, and pain, and temptation, and thirst. And we have done that each on our own. Every scrap our own. But this journey we walk, this life we live, it isn't always pretty. It is the stuff of dirt. 
what a story that the God we encounter in the midst of all of that might be a God whose fingernails are filthy with the work of tending to us. One scrap at a time, ragged and faded and scented and worn and air-traveled and starched and pressed and dyed and sewn, bone upon bone, sinew upon sinew, tissue upon tissue, skin upon skin, in fear and great joy in all of it, God tends to us day after day, night after night, hour upon hour until we see life spring forth from the dirt. And when we do, we cry out like Mary for the sake of all those we love. For all those we love and we say, I have seen the Lord. Has there ever been a more simple and incredible testimony as this. So the Easter question for you is what have you seen spring forth from the wilderness of your life? And are you going to be so bold as to name it resurrection? May you dare to believe that that is exactly what it is. And may you say, with a whisper or with a shout, but with fear and great joy, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.